I will always ask myself, what can I do with my knowledge in science to be able to bridge that to patients? That's the voice of Michelle Dutieu, CEO of Itios Therapeutics. Listen in now to hear my conversation with Michelle at the U.S. headquarters in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm John Simboli. You're listening to BioBoss. This afternoon, I'm in Cambridge with Michelle Dutieu, founder and CEO of Itios Therapeutics. Michelle, welcome to BioBoss. Thank you very much. Michelle, how did you find yourself as co-founder and CEO at Itios? Well, in fact, I would say that the story started more than 25 years ago. During my PhD, I was passionate about drug discovery, and I found that I would be impactful if I can be in the driver's seat and develop a company uh, for an important disease. And it took me more than 15 years to find the right science, the right partner to start the project, and ITS Therapeutics started in 2012. And is that a decision made easily because it's clear, or is that a decision to make that change that's difficult because it's hard? It's hard uh, every day, um, but it's also what makes that passionating. Recently, my wife told me, it would not be hard, you will never do it. And uh, in fact, uh, I was approached by one of the directors of the Ludwig Cancer Research, one of the top research institutes in the U.S., to start this company. He gave me a call and told me, Michel, I have some data that could be the starting point for a company. Would you be interested? It took me two seconds to say yes. Was there any process at that point of thinking, maybe I need to do my due diligence, I'll sift through and look at a lot of similar kinds of companies, and maybe it already exists, and maybe I can build what's already there, versus, no, I think I need to start something. I was convinced that I could start as soon as I find the right science, and the Ludwig is one of the best science in the world, and the decision was rapidly taken. I did not make a due diligence to wonder if competitor would be more advanced or well-funded, and it would be difficult. I believe that cancer is still targeting one man out of three, one woman out of four today, will increase in the coming decade, and then it's a big and mathematical need. Can you say, from your memory, can you say what your picture of what it would be like to be the co-founder and CEO, what, what you thought it might be like, and then in reality here at this point, sitting at this table here in Cambridge, what it is like? First co-founder, what's the difference with founder? Well, you have two people who need to align. Uh, it's an interesting story because rapidly it appeared that the science could be more important. And I like to use the image and I explain, look, it's like uh, a mother and a father having a child. Uh, I will be the mother for the project and I'm going to deliver the project and I'm going to take care of the project every day after. And it's what I've done. Uh, well, I would say that I would never imagine that uh, seven years after I would be in Cambridge, a managing company of 45 people uh, split on each side of the big water. Um, but this is something which is very interesting. And yes, uh, I still love like the first day what we are doing, especially now that we are uh, treating patients and we start to see impact on patients, then the life of the people on daily basis. As you work day to day to make sure everything is going absolutely right and the execution is flawless, 
do you still, in this cycle, do you still have time to think, I wonder what will happen, what good I can do in the world if this, if this project succeeds the way I hope it will? Yes, indeed, this is a driver. On the daily basis, when we have a downside or uh, times it's more difficult, thinking that if we succeed, we will cure people who are like us, father, mother, uh, it, it's really something which is motivating. And it's something which is always included in our activities. I believe that I split my time 50% managing the company, 50% with external stakeholders. The contact with external stakeholders always put you back to the fundamentals and long term. Okay, what do you plan to do? How can you differentiate? And what are your plans in three years? In this process, have you found that you have a management style that is you, that works for you, that is different from others? I believe so. I believe that each CEO is different. I like the, 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 the piece. Passion, patience, and persistence. We have to add patience, cancer patience in our case. I'm not someone patient. I mean, it's really hard for me to take the time or try to take the time to the, get things uh, done. I'm passionate. Uh, I believe I'm also very transparent. And well, being Belgium, we have a big quality, humility. And humility is not weakness. And I, I see that even more since I'm here in the US. Style is very different, but can be very complementary. Can you recall at age eight or nine or 10, a young man, young boy, thinking, I, I want to grow up to be this and having a picture of it? I did not take my head when I was eight and nine and say, I will do that. I believe that people who are doing really great things know in advance that they want to do something. I have one of my daughter who told me at 10, I want to be a lawyer. And she's now ready to be a lawyer. I started to my university studies as biochemical engineer or bioengineer. And when I started, I, fall in I fell in love with chemistry. Second year, I fell in love with biochemistry. And from there, I understood that I want to understand how our body works and if one day I can cure patients. And it was a starting, but I was 19, not 9. Can you say, that's sort of a magical thing when you find what you're in love with, but can you say what it was about biochemistry that made you say that? I love this. Because I thought that we are so complex and being able to understand how our body works and what we do with the food and the, we take every day to become human beings, being able to interact, take care of others, do great things, do sometimes crazy things, but be able to move forward and build a world just from the basic chemistry that was present for billion years ago in the seawater is something wonderful. It sounds like it's a, a thing, a beautiful thing as well as a, a precise thing in, in the way you see it. Yes, and I, I believe that uh, I will remain a scientist all my life. I don't believe in math scientists. There are some, and there are some very good ones. I'm not a math scientist. I'm not going to read a paper at 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, but I will always ask myself, what can I do with my knowledge in science to be able to bridge that to patients? And I believe that where I'm strong is to make bridge between science and business and operations. I'm not the best at anything. I'm interacting every day with people more expert than I am, 
my chief medical officer, my chief business officer, my scientist, but I believe I'm able to make the bridge and show the directions. I'm a starter, and my role is to take the team, manage the risk, and move forward and find solution. I'm also a fixer. When we need an, when we have an issue, how do we solve that? This is my role. When people say, what do you do for a living, what do you say? I would say that, indeed, a CEO must plan for the success and be ready for the worst. And this is our daily job. I mean, last year, when we completed the 75 million round B, it was a true performance of the team. At the same time, the day after, it was already necessary to think about the next step and the next funding stage. Then you must be able to jump from the daily activities, what do we do today, and how do we connect the team to align the team, where we go. At the same time, you have to wonder what I'm going to do to be funded in two years and be able to continue to develop the company. When I speak with the team, I tell them we are in the boat, we are rowing in the boat, uh, and I like to share information to be sure that you know where we are and where we go. And obviously the journey is not, it's never a direct journey. You have plenty of adaptation, adjustment that can seem chaotic. At the same time, if you know the, where you want to go, you can keep the directions and continue to move forward. You must be adaptive, you must be pragmatic, but you have a direction. To my English speaker's ear, ITIO sounds like an unusual name to choose for a company. Does it have a meaning? Is it, is it anything that's yes. specific? And, um, when you create a company, you have to do big things and small things. Finding a name, finding a logo is one of the most small things that you have to complete. And um, I came with the name, IT means immunotherapy. I mean, learning or uh, re-educating the immune system to recognize and attack the tumor. And EOS is the goddess of the sunrise. When people say, who is ETIOS, what do you like to say? I like to say that it's a drug discovery company developing new treatment for uh, people having cancer. I mean, again, cancer is something that everywhere is close to for multiple reasons. And you don't need to speak too much. While people are not aware of the time it takes to go from a concept to a drug on the market, and you have to explain, but it's not complicated to understand that you still need new drugs because every day people are dying from cancer despite all the treatments available on the market. When people who are important to you to understand who ETIOS is, whether they're investors, whether they're potential partners, employees, could be a very broad range of people, when you describe to them who ETIOS is, what ETIOS is, and afterwards you test to see, maybe after a very compressed 15-minute presentation, did they understand? Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. When they don't, what is the misunderstanding about idios? How do you help them say, no, no, it's actually this? They don't often realize the risk management. I take an example. I got the opportunity a few years ago to discuss with uh, several of the biggest uh, CEO or the, the CEO for the biggest companies in Belgium, but classical industry. And they were expecting to meet with a math scientist doing strange things in the lab. And finally, they, they, they exit the, the room by telling me, 
it's crazy how you must manage the risk because in our classical industry, we do a plan for five years, we execute a plan, we could miss our target, but the plan is set up for five years. In a biotech company, your plan can change several times a year and sometimes every month when you are into a more challenging period. Then I believe that people can easily understand why you do drug discovery for cancer. Sometimes it could be a challenge to explain that we are science-driven. I mean, many companies have a specific platform. They really develop a specific technical approach. We don't do that. We are, uh, we are driven by science. We are model diagnostic. We are focused. I mean, we are working on specifically immunology. I got in the past and even recently, or I often get a feedback, or should we open to other uh, disease, or should we be broader? I believe it's important to be focused, to be on the pond. I like to compare what we are doing to a sport also. Uh, we are like a basketball team, and we need to play all together on the, on the ground and to win the, to win the game. When you get to the question of specific cancers and specific ways that you're thinking about immuno-oncology, do people grasp your approach? And if they don't, what do they misunderstand about the approach? Yes, this is a very good question, and this is important. Well, one of the challenges to realize that we are, when you are still in early stage clinical trials, you don't have yet selected the indication that will give you approval in three to five years. And you are still exploring different options. Well, obviously, you have a scientific rationale, you have a clinical rationale, you have the competitive landscape. And for the moment, we have one program at the end of phase one, a second program entering phase one next month. We still have probably a list of 10 to 15 indications. And sometimes people feel that we should be already well defined in terms of which indication we want to go. Well, first, when we speak about a given cancer, lung cancer, for example, which is one of the major ones, there are multiple subtypes. Second, there are multiple treatments, and the treatment which are approved today could be different from the treatment in three years. Then, in addition to managing the challenge of your own program, you have to understand how to position in the market to be sure that when you arrive on the market, you are not outdated compared to the progress of the competition. Then it's one of the misunderstanding. Today, we are not focused on one specific cancer. We are still working on several options in order to build optionalities. Uh, recently, I got an investor who asked me, oh, can you define the market for bladder cancer? And we did exercise because I have the chance to get a team with people experience. Uh, my CMO was head of oncology at Sanofi. My CEO, CBO was CBO of Endocyte, a company which went through very close to public uh, to uh, market launch and finally was acquired by Novartis for more than $2 billion last year. I have the expert who can answer the questions and be sure that we are at the same level that expectation of investor. But at the same time, you must keep your flexibility. And even if you believe that one indication could be the best one, you still have some data that could show you that the number two or number three option finally becomes the number one for multiple reasons. And we must remain agile 
in what we are doing to be sure that during the development, even if we have a master plan, we can adapt our strategy to deliver the best drug to the best patient population. And you have some investors, some stakeholders that would be interested in two late stage clinical development companies who know exactly in which indication they are with a time to the market that could be one or two years where the competitive landscape is well understood. Again, we are probably in the best case scenario to three to five years to market approval. Well, if you take 2019 compared to 2014, there was tremendous progress into the way to treat patients. And even if some guru can predict some of them, there are still many options to build. Michelle, what's new at Etios Therapeutics? What is new, I would say in 2019, we became a clinical stage company. I know that for external world doesn't mean a lot. For the team and the 45 people working at ITOs, you really start to treat patients. And all what you have done during the years where you were at the research stage or preclinical stage where you work with different models, but you are not yet with the humans. Today, we have treated a significant number of patients this year. We have learned a lot from these uh, treatments. We start to see some impact on the patients, which is really a big reward. And not only we have been able to start the first program this year, our lead asset, the A2 antagonist program, but we are starting a second program in the coming weeks. Then in the last 12 months, we've been able to put two programs in clinics, which is a big achievement for a company of 45 people. What makes ETHEOS Therapeutics different from other biopharma companies or pure companies in immuno-oncology space? I would say that our difference is based on our pipeline, the science that we have developed to differentiate our assets compared to the competitor, and what we plan to do in the future. But we are still building our difference every day, and our difference will be confirmed if one day we have a project reaching the market and being able to cure patients. What kind of partners are a good fit to ITIOS? If ITIOS is one day a successful patient, it will be due to the stakeholders or the partners. And indeed, ITIOS is a good example of a company with experience and leverage different type of partners. We are a spin-off of the Ludwig Cancer Research, which is again one of the top three research institutes in the US. Uh, we are the first spin-off of the Ludwig that they have directly funded in cash on top of the technology transfer. Two years after we started, we were a six-people company. We did a deal with Pfizer at that time that was number one in the world. It was a transformative deal for ITOs and allowed me to grow the company from six to 42 people in 15 months, uh, build the current pipeline and differentiate ITOs. Last year, when we were able to attract MPM, one of the key uh, investor uh, VC in US, it was another uh, move into upper league compared to the previous stage of the company and uh, attracting people who do the job on every day uh, at the lowest position in the company, the junior associate to the highest one, like our CMO and CEO, CBO who joined this year, will allow us to build our success to, uh, to our curing patients with cancer. So as a company that's in Belgium and in Cambridge and and touching people all around the world, is it possible to talk about a culture? What, what would be the culture at Etios? Science-driven and again, patient. I mean, I, I love to say to the people I'm hiring and I'm 
I've hired most of the people in the company, not anymore the junior one in Belgium, but well, all the important function. I want to attract you and let you grow with the company and build a success together. Again, I like the analogy of the basketball team. Uh, one player can win a game, will never win the championship. And then it's a, as a team being complementary that we can make the difference. And I want to get patient. Uh, I want to get people who are passionate about what they are doing. And we can get up and down, but people believe that we are doing shaping something together. What can you tell me about the pipeline and how it helps to differentiate who Etios is? Again, when we speak about cancer, there are hundreds of different diseases. And you have three stages in this cancer development. The first time, the first step is elimination. You, I, everyone in good health eliminate cancer cells during his life or our life. The second stage is uh, equilibrium. Some cancer cells can stay forever in your body after mutation and will not become a tumor. The third stage is escaping. These tumor cells, after additional mutation, become crazy and develop like hell and give the, the disease. We must realize that both in terms of uh, type of cancer, but also the mechanism that they use to escape, there are multiple mechanisms. We've decided to focus on two major mechanisms in what we call the tumor microenvironment, then where the cancer grow. One is what we call immunometabolism. These cancer cells uh, can use very nasty way to escape the immune system, either by preventing the immune system to be active, either by eating from the immune system and be invisible, either by uh, poisoning the immune cells and preventing the immune cells to be active. Then we have decided to focus on two main uh, pathways, immunometabolism, then what metabolic change prevent the immune cells to be active, and the cancer cells also devoid immune cells, which are known to be immunosuppressive, to be sure that these immune cells, which are devoid by the cancer cells, can build a wall that we prevent the normal immune cells to attack the cancer, and we are targeting that too. Just as a brief example, when we started, we started about uh, an enzyme called ID1 that was very trendy just after we started, ID01. This mechanism has been used forever for by pregnant women to protect the fetus from the immune system. The fetus has 50% of paternal antigens. It's a foreign body for the immune system, but can develop like most of the pregnancies. And tumor cells hijack that enzyme, which is highly expressed in the placenta, to create this immunosuppression for the uh, fetus. The tumor cells hijack that system to be invisible, like the fetus during the pregnancy. And you have multiple mechanisms like that. Our lead program today, an adenosine A2A receptor antagonist, it's another mechanism which is known for decades, where adenosine plays a very important role to be sure that when you have an immune response, an inflammation in your body, you can control this inflammation to avoid any kind of autoimmune disease. And the tumor hijacks this system to develop an immunosuppressive mechanism based on this adenosine pathway. And we have developed Taylor, a program which is very well differentiated from our competitor, AstraZeneca, Novartis, Corvus, Arcus, to develop a compound that could make a difference for that pathway and improve the treatment of multiple types of cancer. 
to what extent is the word microenvironment as you just used, to what extent is that central to what it is that Etios is exploring? This is very important. And when I told you that we are differentiated by science, all our people are working on three pillars. Tumor immunology, pharmacology, both in vitro and vivo, and transactional medicine. All the other activities are outsourced to partners across the world. And uh, the tumor microenvironment could be like uh, probably Grand Central at the peak hour in New York, where you cannot just get a high-level picture of having 1,000 people in a small space, but what is the dynamics between the tumor cells, the immune cells, the endothelial cells, and all the other cells around that, that will create a unique environment favoring the tumor growth. And trying to have a better understanding of that is very important. It's what we did for the adenosine uh, A2A antagonist. We have designed something that was very different based on our understanding of what is happening in the tumor microenvironment. The second program that will enter into clinics next month is an antibody. And there we compete with the biggest player, Genentech, Merck, BMS. But again, we have approached a differentiated strategy. Well, finally, Genentech and Merck have a similar one. BMS has a different one. We still believe that we can compete with these giants by having a clinical strategy that will be different, take more risk. We have to take more risk, but could be a high-risk, high-reward approach. When people ask you about the therapeutic areas that you're working in, what, how do you like to answer that? Again, we start with the basic cancer. Now you have hundreds of different cancers, and even in a specific cancer like lung cancer, you have multiple subtypes. Um, today, uh, with the fact that we are moving toward phase 1B, phase 2A, we really work on selecting specific indication and specific combination. Then we really enter into the core of our uh, objectives and select the most relevant patient population to move forward and show that we are able to develop drugs that will improve their uh, conditions. We believe that, interestingly, with immunology, you are not restricted to a type of cancer. I mean, uh, we have programs moving forward with solid tumors, but we have also the same program that could be highly uh, valuable for hematological cancer. Then I would say that today we have a very large menu of options and we have to select the options that will be the best, uh, that will give the best benefit to the patients. This is our challenge. The challenge is not to be too much focused, the challenge is to select the best options amongst a very large panel of possibilities. One of the differentiation of ITOs is how the fact we are modality agnostic. We have been able to build expertise to develop both small molecules and antibodies. So we started with idea one. We have developed a best-in-class A2 antagonist. And in 2020, TG could appear to be a next-generation PD-1 that could make the difference. How did ITOs decide to establish a presence in the US and why Cambridge? When I was working on the next capital increase uh, in 2016 and 17, um, I've screened in a very large mode. I've probably met more than 100 investors. And uh, again, US is, is, a, is a leader in that field, and I met many US investors. 
Uh, as I told you, we did a deal with Pfizer in 2014. In 2000, uh, at the end of 2017, Pfizer decided to revert the program for strategic reasons. I always claimed that if they would do that without any safety issue, it would be an opportunity for ITOs. And indeed, after we announced uh, exactly two years ago the reversion, uh, I got the attraction or the attention of MPM, one of the lead investors in the US, uh, venture capitalist investor. And uh, things move very rapidly uh, into their interest on ITOs. I believe that European companies develop science which is uh, of similar quality to US companies. Um, they are also able to be very pragmatic and finally in terms of price to attract investors, European companies are less expensive. Then there is a more and more attraction from US investors. And when NPM uh, came for the due diligence, and one of the first questions was, are you ready to move to US? And I know it was a key question. And I say, yes, I believe that US is where the investors are, including NASDAQ, the stakeholders like analysts, experts, patient uh, groups are uh, the most expert, and the pharma biotech partners, even if they can be European, will be based also in US. Then US is the place to be. And then coming to US was something that was driven by the, the 75 million round B lead investor. Again, was an expectation from that side to see me moving here. Uh, Cambridge was my best choice, uh, even if there are other cities that could have been very good choice. But managing a company with two sides distant from 5,620 kilometers is a daily challenge. And being in Boston, First is the probably one of the most dense uh, community in biotech pharma. I was asked, why are you going to Boston? And I, I did a comparison. There are 2,000 pharma biotech companies in all Europe, Western Europe. There are 1,600 1, companies in Massachusetts, in similar size. And being here in the past, when I was in Beijing, I was traveling one week every month in US in crazy roadshow with five, 10 meetings every day, changing the uh, cities every day. Now I have the people visiting us in Cambridge. And there's a cost, it's really more expensive than Europe, but it's an opportunity also. And it's what we are building to keep the two locations and get the best of both worlds. In each of those communities in Belgium and here in Cambridge, which organizations do you find help you to get information out and to help you to take in what you need to know? Well, MassBio is uh, one of the organizations which is useful. Um, I would say that I also leverage MPM network, which is tremendous. And uh, this is really the five-star network. Then being part of the MPM portfolio companies opened so many doors that I could not even dream of that uh, before to get uh, to come here. I imagine being a CEO of a business can be rather isolating because your work is so intense. How do you maintain your communication? This is one of the other added value to be here. I mean, I didn't mention, but uh, the fact to be here is to allow me to be connected to uh, the best people that could help us to build the company. My chairman, David Alal, has brought a big added value, incredible network, 
a huge experience. Uh, it's a mentor. I've been also uh, able to attract SCMO, the previous head of clinical oncology at Sanofi, and my CBOCO, Matt Cole. It's also very well connected uh, in US. I have worked with the stakeholders that open our landscape. I mean, in the two past years, I've probably made more than 100 investors in the US. I've built a relationship with many banks. And it's a snowball effect. When you start to be visible, uh, this visibility increases and you meet more and more patients that you be connected to. I mean, I will never be part of the club, if I can say that. I didn't grow up here. I'm not connected like many people are. But at the same time, I believe that I can, uh, again, build the best of both worlds. I'm well connected in Belgium, even if my connection increases every day. I forgot to mention that one of the big added value of Belgium also has been to be supported by institutions and government. We receive more than 40, 40 million dollars of grants from the Walloon region, the state where we, ITOC is based in Belgium. And I like this idea to keep the roots in Belgium, develop the tree in the US, but build a connection on each side with my stakeholders. It, but it's not just the CEO, my understanding is it's it's the people that you surround yourself with. Are they are they important to the success of the company? It's what makes ITOS different and is a team. Um, we have a very well uh, we have a very good team, uh, high expertise. I would say it's one of the differences with Boston. People are more experienced in biotech, but they are less stable also. They change quite often of the companies with a quite stable team. People will fall in love with the company and re really want to make that company a success. And again, if one day the company is successful, it will be with the stakeholders, starting with the team. And from the most junior assistant to the highest expert in the company, these people are doing the job on a daily basis. And I'm just the visible face, but I would be nowhere without that team supporting the development of the company to cure patients with cancer. Michelle, thanks for spending time with me and talking with me today. It was really a pleasure. Thank you, John. Michelle's approach to leadership begins with a fascination with biochemistry and insistence that his scientific knowledge will benefit patients. But he takes care to avoid a smartest guy in the room mentality, and he frequently credits the experience and insights of his colleagues. One way this collegial approach takes form is Michelle's love of basketball, how the game flows from one player to another. Michelle says, one player can win a game, but we never win the championship. As a team, being complementary, we can make a difference. This makes me think of Dean Smith, one of the greatest college basketball coaches during his tenure at the University of North Carolina. Yes, he could have run the entire UNC offense through superstar Michael Jordan, but in his book, The Carolina Way, Smith talks about teamwork, including his requirement that when one of his players scored, that player would immediately point to the passer to acknowledge the importance of unselfish team play. For Michelle and his teammates at Itios, this means playing together and keeping their eyes on the prize, delivering medicines to patients in need. I'm John Simbley. You're listening to BioBoss. <laughs>